And welcome back to another crossover episode. This is Locked on Chiefs, Locked on Broncos. Sayer Bedinger here with me from Locked on Broncos. We're going to be talking about this Chiefs and Broncos game. They got flexed to Sunday Night Football. A little bit surprised on that, uh, just with the slate of games going on. Thanks for making Locked on Chiefs and Locked on Broncos your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So we really do appreciate that. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house and head-to-hand fantasy matchups, winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. We are brought to you today by Stat Hero. Thank you very much, Stat Hero. And Sayer, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for doing this with me. I'm excited. You know, I live in the Midwest, Chris. I, I, I live in Omaha right now. So Big time Chiefs representation here. I didn't really realize yeah. that. I came from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where it's big Vikings country there. And here I am now in the midst of the Chiefs kingdom. Uh, it's a strong, strong following here. Almost as much as the Huskers, but not quite. So, uh, But it's it's weird being a Broncos fan with so many Chiefs fans all around me. I haven't experienced that before. Yeah, and it is kind of crazy because I'm actually a couple hours south of you in Wichita. And so you're not too far from me, but you're really close to Kansas City. So it doesn't shock me. Uh, that it is really busy there. The thing that really stands out to me, though, when you start looking at Chiefs Kingdom, Broncos Kingdom, or Broncos Nation, or whatever, Broncos Country, is that what it's called? There it is. Yeah, yeah. There Broncos we go. Country. Broncos, Broncos Country. It does seem like it's all interspersed and intermixed. Like, I know Broncos mm-hmm. fans in Kansas. I know, you know, Raiders fans in Kansas. Sad for them, but whatever. <laughs> but let's just go ahead and jump in talking about these two teams. Because if you looked at where Kansas City is right now compared to where I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, I did think that they were going to be leading the AFC West at this point in the year. I did not expect that they would have lost as many games as they did. I wouldn't have expected that they were going to have the losing streak they did and then roll off as many wins as they have. What do you think about the Broncos? What have you seen from them and what did you expect? You know, it's been a it's been quite a mixed bag for the Denver Broncos. I think, you know, when the schedules come out and everybody kind of looks at it and pre- makes their predictions and whatnot, you, you kind of pencil in certain games as wins and losses before the season. I think the Broncos are, are pretty close to where a lot of people thought they would be. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a little bit more on the side of the pessimists who thought they might lose a few more games than they uh, than others did. But they, I would say for the most part, they have won a lot of the games that a lot of people thought they would, specifically those first three of the season. And then they've lost some games that after, you know, after you beat teams like Dallas and you go out and you lose to Philadelphia, obviously Philadelphia is kind of proving lately that they're maybe a little bit better than their original record for the first two months of the season indicates. But at the same time, I feel like that was a disappointing loss for the Broncos. And then you lay an egg against the Raiders earlier this season. And it's just, it's kind of been just an up and down type of thing. And so I'd say expectations going into the season, most people didn't have a lot of faith in Teddy Bridgewater. So, so I think a six and five record at this point in the season is probably right about on, on par with where a lot of people maybe thought the Broncos would be. Yeah, and you look at Teddy Bridgewater, he is the biggest question mark when it comes to this Broncos team, uh, at least from my perspective, and we'll talk about this here in later segments. The offensive line hasn't been what you maybe would expect it to be. Uh, the defense, I think, is played as well as you would expect. But when you are looking at the QB situation, that is the one position that it, you have to get right on a team. And although Bridgewater, I think, is probably better than Drew Locke, uh, he is not going to be a guy that it doesn't appear is going to take the Broncos to the playoffs this season. At least that's the way it looks right now. And anything can happen, obviously. 
Uh, it's wide open in the AFC West, so maybe the Broncos roll off a bunch of wins, but it just seems kind of inconsistent right now. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't strike anyone as the fr- future franchise quarterback by any means. Like he's no, he's no uh, Patrick Mahomes in orange and blue, that's for sure. So, it's it's definitely been a an improvement, I would say, over the last couple of years, even dating back to that the year the Broncos won the Super Bowl. I mean, you remember the Kansas City Chiefs came into Denver and absolutely just destroyed the Broncos that season. That started the it. losing streak. It was I bet you did. Yeah, I absolutely and was, loved it. Beating yeah, Peyton, I know. Beating Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and even even then at the time, you know that that started this losing streak that we're on, but. Dating back to that time, I don't know that the Broncos have had better quarterback play than what Teddy's brought to the table this year, which is, you know, not necessarily saying a lot, but at the same time, he's been pretty efficient. And when he's played efficient, the Broncos defense is able to kind of play their game. So it it does make a difference. It's not like Teddy's the tide that raises all boats, as I've said on other episodes, but I think at the same time, he's definitely a guy who he can keep that. He can keep things steady. You know, Broncos chiefs matchups over the last six years, it feels like, uh, the quarterbacks have made so many bad mistakes in games, whether you look at Trevor Simeon back in the you know 2016-2017, Case Keenum in 2018 throwing the ball over Demarius Thomas' head near the end of the game there, and then obviously you know Drew Locke these last couple of years and others just unable to get the job done. So I'm interested to see how Teddy, with his more efficient style of play, if he can play an efficient game and not turn the ball over, I'm interested to see how that plays you know, against this Chiefs team. The Broncos have played them decently well over the last couple of years, all things considered, right? I mean, the Broncos haven't been a very good team. So we take pride in, in some of the moral victories over these last couple of seasons, for sure. Yeah, and we're going to get into, you know, Sarah's going to ask me some questions about the Chiefs. I'm going to ask him some questions about the Broncos. I want to get a little bit more into the quarterback situation with Denver because I think that's a key going into this game and really for the Broncos the rest of the season. But before we get into that, I want to tell you more about our friends over at Stat Hero. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily football fantasy daily fantasy football sports platform where it's you versus the house. It's head-to-head in fantasy matchups. Winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. It's never before seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes and you decide how much you're going to play for and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because you're because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy should be one-on-one. Sign up for now. Sign up right now and get at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Sayer, I'm going to let you go. You ask me anything you want to know about this Chiefs team. All right, here we go. I'm about to I'm about to bring the heat right now. Okay. So, Chris, you know, this Kansas City Chiefs team, obviously, we all saw the Super Bowl. The offensive line struggled badly and, and coming into this year, that was an obvious priority. I mean, you spend Absolutely. big bucks, 
uh, on the offensive line. You make the big trade for Orlando Brown Jr., Creed Humphreys in the draft, and it's been a complete overhaul of that unit. No more Mitchell Schwartz, which I know Von Miller said he was one of the best tackles he played, but it seems like the offensive line has, has really improved a lot for the Chiefs this season. Uh, talk about the additions that they've made, how it's all coming together, and what the Broncos' defensive front can expect um, in terms of this revamped O-line for Kansas City. You know, the big question right now, and this is what we don't know recording when we are, and we're not going to know till almost game time whether or not Lucas Nang is going to start at right tackle or not. Uh, he's been injured the past couple of weeks. It's been Andrew Wiley. If it's Andrew Wiley, that's a big disadvantage in Kansas City's in for Kansas City. I do think that uh, Niang is going to be better in both pass blocking and run blocking than Wiley. But what you've seen from the rest of the offensive line is you've seen Orlando Brown Jr., who did cost a first round pick, but you also have to remember they got back a second for the same season. So it's more like they just moved down in the draft. And who did they go and draft in the second round? Oh, look, Creed Humphrey, a guy that has played phenomenal, is probably one of, and I I really hate saying things like this, but the way he's playing right now, he is one of the best centers in football already, and he's a rookie. He's played absolutely fantastic for Kansas City. Trey Smith has been a steal uh, late in the draft for Kansas City because of his heart murmur or his heart condition, uh, and they got that squared away. Uh, he's played great. Uh, Joe Tooney has been fantastic as well on the interior you know, the big question when it comes to Orlando Brown is, is he going to be able to go up against these speed guys and, and beat and keep the speed guys off of Patrick Mahomes? So far, he's struggled at times with that. Uh, I think he's going to see a lot of Bradley Chubb this week. I think that could be a problem. But I also think that it's one of the things that really is going to play in Kansas, City, Kansas City's advantage is Andy Reid coming off a bye week. I guarantee you they're going to have something for this Denver Broncos defense. Definitely. That's something that Cody and I talked about on yesterday's episode, actually, is just the fact that, you know, Andy Reid, he loves the pre-snap motion. He's always got something creative dialed up. We even brought up the old uh, Don Terry Poe touchdown mm -hmm. catch from a few years back in this uh, string of misery the Broncos are on. He, he seems to utilize creativity against Denver quite a bit. I want to look at the defensive side of the ball now, too, though. We know Kansas City, obviously, that was a huge issue for them. You mentioned you know, didn't necessarily expect this many losses for them at this point in the season. I don't think really anybody did. The defense was obviously a big reason for that early on. But, man, since that trade of Melvin Ingram, they've really turned things on. And, and I don't necessarily know that he's the X factor. He's not necessarily, you know, an Aaron Donald type of impact player. But, man, he certainly has changed things around for that Chiefs defense or at least his presence or whatever he's done to allow other guys to move to different spots. What's been the biggest key, maybe including Ingram, in terms of this defensive turnaround the last few weeks for Kansas City? I like what you say about Ingram. I will say, and I will argue a little bit, I think that it's a mixture of Ingram and the Chiefs getting healthy. Because you look at Chris Jones, he was injured the first couple of weeks after the first game. He played well against the Browns, and then he got injured, and he wasn't looking the same. Uh, Frank Clark really didn't play the first several weeks. He was out with a hamstring issue. He's finally come back. He started to play close to 80% of the snaps in some of the games lately, and he's played pretty well. He hasn't really been getting the sack production necessarily that you like, uh, but he's had some big-time sacks that have come up at the right time. You know, he had a sack and a, fumble, a forced fumble in the Cowboys game. I think he's playing a lot better. Uh, Chris Jones is healthy again. He got moved back to defensive tackle where I think he thrives the most, and that's one of the biggest keys going into this game for me at least is seeing Chris Jones on the interior and how he's going to match up against that Denver offensive line because if he's able to get pressure 
on the interior and he's able to get in Teddy's face, I think that's going to be a problem. Uh, but I think really what it comes down to is when you bring Melvin Ingram in, then they got to the point where they could slide Chris Jones inside. And then you have Melvin Ingram who can get after the quarterback. He's shown that he can still do that. And Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And, oh, wait, Jerron Reed is still here. And he hadn't been playing well, but he's starting to come around as well. So I think that's really helping this Chiefs defensive line. Man, I still can't believe they were able to get him in free agency. That's The, the Chiefs know how to manipulate the salary cap like none other, don't they? They just figure <laughs> figure out a way every year. But yep. uh, it helps to have number 15 under center, no doubt, and, and to get those free agents there and to get guys to come and maybe play for less or, you know, whatever the case may be. But let's talk about number 15 for a bit. I know Denver Broncos fans, he's, he's enemy number one in Broncos country, Pat Mahomes, and I'm sure he is for many teams, but uh, – He's the guy right now. I mean, he he's ruining wins for us with left-handed passes and doing all sorts of different stuff. I mean, he's incredible. Talk about his season so far. I know he's got more interceptions than usual. I know a lot of people on Twitter want to bring up turnover-worthy plays, turnover-worthy passes. But talk about Pat Mahomes' this season and, and what you're seeing from him and what we can expect on Sunday night. You know, I do want to throw this out there really quick. For everybody in Broncos country that is hating on Patrick Mahomes, just remember, you guys went from John Elway to eventually Peyton Manning. Uh, so I just true. want to throw, point that out. <laughs> uh, true. This is true. And who knows who you're going to have in 2022? Because I don't think it's going. I don't think it's the guy that's on the roster right now. And there are several guys, maybe namely Aaron Rodgers and uh, maybe even Russell Wilson, who should mm-hmm. be available that could be coming to Denver. Uh, and maybe Deshaun Watson too. Who knows? Yeah. You know, you start looking at. Patrick Mahomes, and I think he has struggled at times this year. I think he's tried to do too much. I think he is looking to hit the bomb play, and I hate putting it that way, but that's really what he's looking for is looking for the deep play, looking for something that can really, you know, try to put the defense on their heels. Uh, He struggled with that early on in the season, and when that wasn't there, he wasn't taking the checkdowns. He wasn't, you know, just moving the ball down the field. And if this Kansas City offense can just dink and dunk its way down the field, yeah, it's not sexy, and that's but that's okay. You don't have to be sexy on offense to be productive. You want to be you want to be able to move the ball. You want to be able to do things. I get that, but if you just take what the defense gives you, I think you're going to be in much better shape. And I think that's what he started to do. When you start talking about the turnover worthy plays, no other QB in football has more than Patrick Mahomes when it comes to. Uh, interceptions that have actually hit his receivers in the hands. I think next-gen stats came out with Patrick Mahomes has six passes that had a 75% chance or better of being caught by his wide receiver that turned into interceptions this year. That by itself is more than he had interceptions last year. So you would have to think that it would revert back to the mean. I think he's playing better, and I'm really excited to see what he can do off a two-week bye or two weeks off from playing. Definitely. Oh, it's going to be an exciting matchup, and, and I can't wait to see it. And I, and I think that, obviously, you know, Broncos fans are, are hoping to get off the schneid here. But, man, you talk about you talk about streaks that need to end in order for that to happen. You talk about Andy Reid's bye week record. You talk about the, you know, 11 games against Denver specifically. Kansas City's been hot in December the last couple of years. So, not a lot playing in Denver's favor this week, but you know what? You just never know. That's the name of the game, right? And this year in the NFL has been weird, so I guess I guess we're fixing to find out. 
It definitely has been weird, and I have to say, I am hoping that you guys don't get out of the schneid. I, I hope that Kansas finds a way to pull this out because I think that they have they're in a good position moving forward. When we get back, I'm going to flip it over and I'm going to ask Sayers some questions about this Broncos team and about different players uh, that he has on that unit. But first off, I want to tell you, Bet Online has you covered for all season more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues. The march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and all the other sports, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, Sayer, we start looking at this game and what it means for Denver. I have to admit, I thought Denver was going to be a lot worse than they are this year. Um, I did not believe in Teddy Bridgewater, and so I'm impressed that you guys are at 6-5. and five. Uh, One thing I will say is the offensive weapons that you have is phenomenal. I think you guys have great wide receivers. You have you know a pretty good tight end in Noah Fant, although I don't think he's been as productive as even you would probably say that you would hope that he would have been. Uh, but do you think that with just changing out a QB to a different one like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, that is going to be the difference between Denver being six and five at this point or maybe eight and two or sorry, eight or nine and two? And that's just a really quick question. I'm just curious on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely do. And we've talked about this a lot on Unlocked on, on Broncos and, and it's just it's definitely, like I said before, you know, Teddy's not the guy who's the tide that raises all boats. We saw in the 2011 iteration of the Broncos, Tim Tebow playing with guys like Eric Decker, Demarius Thomas. Obviously, Julius Thomas wasn't healthy at that time. But, man, you add Peyton Manning to that mix and a couple of other of Peyton's buddies like Brandon Stokely and, and some Jacob Tammy and guys like that. You see what a guy who is the tide that raises all boats can do for your offense. I feel like the Broncos, like you said, they have skill players all over the place. They have way too much talent. I feel like if you put, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson in this offense, obviously you're going to be spreading the ball around around quite a bit more. You know, you're not necessarily going to be throwing 18 times in a game like, like Teddy Bridgewater did in this past week's victory over the Chargers. You know, you'll be throwing 35, 40, even more times than that per game to get these guys the the amount of touches they deserve. Cortland Sutton and, and Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, that's as good of a trio of receivers in the league as you're going to find, in my opinion, in terms of just their dynamic skill set, ability to play the ball in the air, and, and ability to make plays against any type of corner. So, it's just we don't see it as much, you know, because of the quarterback situation these past years. And we've we've in Broncos country, we started calling receivers quarterback proof. That doesn't necessarily hold true if your guy's not targeting them. But I mean, Cortland Sutton, he racked up the Pro Bowl season with Brandon Allen and Joe Flacco and, and Drew Locke throwing in passes in 2019. So I really do think these guys are impactful playmakers. We may not see it in terms of like fantasy football stats, but they show up big time. I mean, they, when the Broncos are, are, are humming offensively is when those guys are getting targeted more. And, and I think that's a key in this game specifically, too. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up Cortland Sutton because I was going to ask you specifically about him. You look at him as a player. You go back into before his injury in 2019 and 2018. He was playing with QBs that weren't that were probably closer to on par with Teddy Bridgewater than you know further ahead. He just doesn't seem, at least from what I have seen, he doesn't seem to have the same explosion that he had 
and that's understandable with the injuries coming off of, but do you think teams are playing him differently or do you think he's just still trying to get back into shape and, and recovering from his injury? You know, he's talked about that quite a bit, actually. And I think in the early portion of the season, there was maybe maybe some hesitancy there. You know, they've clocked him on the GPS, I think, over 21 miles an hour in, in games. So I, I think his explosion is OK. And I, I, th- I don't know that it's necessarily teams are playing him differently, but he's talked about the fact that he feels stronger on that knee. Now he feels like a, a better athlete. And I think obviously those those numbers in games where you're tracking, like you said, next gen stats, they track those explosive plays. I mean, he, he reaches top end speed, but at the same time, that's not that's just not how the Broncos play offensively at this point in time. You know, they're not necessarily taking a ton of shots downfield. And we've been clamoring for that. We've been saying, hey, they should do this because you have some of the best 50-50 ball catchers downfield with Sutton and and Tim Patrick but it just hasn't been there in terms of whether you know you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater's willingness to take those shots or Pat Shermer really dialing up those plays it's it's not necessarily been the way corners are defending them I think the Broncos are are designing some good plays and and those guys are getting open at times but they're just not they're not taking those shots they're not they're not hitting those opportunities when they're given them and Sutton's biggest plays over the past month I would say have been those downfield plays. They've got pass interference penalties called against the opposing team, you know, on, on a couple of his bigger, you know, targets in games. But unfortunately, we're just not seeing a ton of those downfield shots like we were earlier in the season, just as a byproduct of Teddy Bridgewater and the offense and the running game kind of coming along in recent weeks. And I think that's the other thing that sticks out to me is you start looking at the running game, you start looking at this Broncos unit. I never expected them to release Philip Lindsay when they did. I, I know. thought that was kind of a surprising move. I'm not saying it was the wrong move. Right. Uh, I think I think Williams has shown that he can play in this league, and he's a fantastic. He's going to be a very good running back. Uh, and Melvin and Gordon is still going to be Gordon, and he's going to be good as well. But w- that was surprising to me when they released Philip Lindsay. But what I want to talk to you about right now is their offensive line. What are you expecting to see this Sunday night? Are you expecting to see Dalton Reisner come back? Because uh, I know he lost, he lost some time last week to injury. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you seen from that offensive line so far this season? You know, they've been they've been pretty good uh, for the most part. I think a lot of, you know, you see Teddy Bridgewater's sack numbers and, and you might <laughs> think, well, he's obviously the offensive line hasn't been good. He's been getting sacked quite a bit. But at the same time, you know, Teddy has the most one of the top, I think one of the top five most times to throw in the league and he takes the most time to throw as well. So he likes to hold the ball in the pocket back there. And that leads to a lot of sacks, but at the same time, you know, the offense has been dinged up. Like you mentioned, Dalton Reisner with the back injury this past week, Garrett Bowles on the COVID list. And before that he was hurt and Bobby Massey starting right tackle. He's been out for a couple weeks with an injury as well. So it's really been a war on attrition for that offensive line, but they found a way. I mean, Calvin Anderson, who also is hurt now, the, the backup left tackle, he got hurt in this, in the past game against the chargers and, so it's it's definitely expected this week to be all hands on deck. Garrett Bowles and Bobby Massey are both expected back uh, as long as Bowles, you know, clears the COVID protocol. And then Dalton Reisner is expected to be back. He was considered day to day shortly after the game. So I think it was just something the Broncos feel comfortable with their backup guards, and they have all year. You know, Graham Glasgow is out for the season with an injury, but rookie Quinn Miners has stepped in. He was a guy. I remember at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl just watching him and Creed Humphrey go go at it against those D linemen, and they were just killing people uh, <laughs> on the other side of the line. So he, he's had a really good year. He was one of Ryan's favorite, my co-host's favorite uh, prospects. He was really one of them in Kansas City, and I was actually very happy they got Creed Humphrey. But 
Yeah. Uh, Miners looks like he's going to be a good player. And when you flip it over to the other side of the ball, I can't, I'd be remiss without asking this question. What is it like being a Denver Broncos, you know, covering the Broncos after watching them ship off Von Miller, a guy that just, mm. he just was Broncos country for so long. And now he's mm. no longer there. Man, we're going to reopen these wounds, Chris. No, <laughs> no you know, that question. Yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, tough as far as just like the fan side of everyone, right? I mean, everybody loves Von Miller. Everybody has a 58 jersey. Everybody's expecting him to be in Canton someday. Everybody's expect, you know, we all know he's going to be in the ring of fame. Obviously the best draft pick of the John Elway era by far. One of the best defensive players, if not the best in Broncos history. So when that guy's wearing a different uniform on Sundays, and, and your team is the one you traded him. You know, it's not like he he decided to leave or force his way out. Um, the trade took him by surprise and it took us all by surprise, kind of. You know, we kind of saw the tea leaves coming in the, you know, in the days leading up. But it's it's emotionally difficult. But at the same time, you get opportunities for guys like Bradley Chubb now to step up as a leader. Jonathan Cooper, the rookie out of Ohio State, who was one of those guys going up against the the Humphrey and the, mm-hmm. the Miners at the Senior Bowl. He's had an outstanding rookie season as a seventh round pick. So you get more guys like that. Steven Weatherly, who came over in a trade from the Vikings as well. He's been impressive in limited action. So the Broncos have had, you know, opportunities to get guys involved in the pass rush department without Von Miller. But of course, you know, it's 58. It's Von Miller. Mm-hmm. He is he is the best defensive player, in my opinion, in team history. So not having him after having him for 10 years and having him say things like, you know, he wants to be there through the bad times and the good times. He wants to be part of getting it, getting it right, getting things back on track. You know, he always was, he always wanted to be part of things and he never, I don't think he wanted to leave, which makes it harder for fans to accept the fact that he's gone. Yeah. And I think the thing that has to be frustrating for Broncos fans, at least from my perspective would be, you never really saw what a healthy Von Miller and a healthy Bradley Chubb would do. I know. It just not in Vic Fangio's defense. Well, yeah, you yeah. just never really got that chance. So that's frustrating. Now, if we take it back and we start looking at your secondary, which has been rebuilt over the past couple of seasons, what can you tell me about your secondary? Because they are playing very good football right now. They're good. They're very good. They're very they're young. <laughs> they're good. They're young. Yeah, they I mean, they have it in spades. I mean, just talent all over the place. This unit is so good. And I don't know if Bryce Callahan's going to practice. You know, as we're recording this, we haven't got an update as far as Bryce Callahan's status. But Vic Fangio didn't exactly say no when somebody asked him if he would practice this week. And man, he's been so good when he's healthy, which obviously is few and far between, but he's been really good when he is on the field. Pat Sertan, you know, you talked about, you hate to say maybe Creed Humphrey's a top center in the league already. I I feel the same way about Pat Sertan at corner. I mean, he's one of the best corners that I've seen this season in the entire league. I think I would say he's top 10, but I guess we'll have to let let the game decide on Sunday, but he's coming off his biggest game as a pro. Ronald Darby has been excellent uh, as a free agent addition at corner. Justin Simmons is Justin Simmons. I mean, he's on pace to break his career highs, both in interceptions and passes defense. I think he's at four INTs and 11 passes broken up already this season. So he's going to easily eclipse those those career highs that he has. I think it's five and 15, respectively. Kareem Jackson, he'll be back healthy for this game. Caden Stearns, a rookie out of Texas, has been a tremendous dime linebacker. Vic Fangio uses him all over the place in terms of blitzing, in coverage, matching up against tight ends. I kind of hope we get to see him against Travis Kelsey, even though there's really nobody who can cover Travis Kelsey. Broncos fans have been looking for 
that specific linebacker. And I'm like, look, like no linebacker is going to be able to cover Travis Kelsey. You got to have, you know, you got to have a lot of luck and you got to probably have somebody who's quite a bit bigger, quite a bit faster. So we'll see how Stearns can do against him. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing Kelsey this week because Kelsey's been injured the past couple of weeks. And I'm wondering if some time off is going to help him with that. So I'm hoping. Uh, my last question to you, and, and this one's going to be a quick one, Tyreek Hill, how do you defend against that speed uh, with your different defenders that you have? And I guess the, the one B to that question would be not only Tyreek Hill, but then you also have the problem, which you just talked about, which is Travis Kelsey. So it's not just one. You got to take you got to figure it out for both. Yeah, right. It's it's like, how can you hope to limit them rather than how mm-hmm. can you actually stop them, right? I think the Broncos got lucky last year with, you know, a play getting called an incomplete pass that really wasn't. And so there's those ways that you can stop Tyreek Hill if you get a little bit lucky. But I think obviously the, the big play in the pass game has been a weak spot for the Broncos defense. So this is something that probably keep Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel up at night. They have to stay disciplined, staying deep. They're probably going to have to bracket Tyreek Hill on those deep passing plays. And you just have to hope that if Pat Mahomes breaks down a play that he's either not able to see Tyreek Hill or he just you, <laughs> your double coverage is so good because that's where I feel Tyreek Hill really kills you is on those broken plays where Pat Mahomes breaks the pocket he breaks contain and Tyreek Hill seems to get open better than any receiver in the NFL on scramble drill I can't even fathom it he's open all the time and it's not necessarily on he's winning at the beginning of his route it's that he's putting forth the effort after the play has broken down so yeah him uh, and Kelsey are very good him and Kelsey are both very good at that yes they are yeah and I I actually I have one last question I apologize uh, cover two is, has been what defenses is, have used to slow down this Patrick Mahomes offense. Do you expect Denver to employ that or do you think Denver is going to go a little bit different? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of mixture and coverages from Vic Fangio. You know, he likes to use the too high shell and, and that type of thing. And and he likes to roll the safeties into the box. And so I think he's going to try to give Mahomes a lot of different looks in this game. But we've seen, like you said, that, that a lot of teams are using that cover two look to try to defend against him. And the Chiefs just happen to be really good at beating zone coverage. I mean, they're, they're, their receivers are so savvy in terms of finding those soft spots, especially Kelsey. And so when you have when you finally get the Chiefs into a third and long situation, they have guys that can beat your zone coverage, even with a decent rush. So that's why I was telling Cody on a previous episode of the show, Chris, is that the Broncos got to hope that their pressure really gets home and forces Mahomes to not have the opportunity really to get outside on scramble drill because the Broncos coverage, I think, initially will hold up. It's going to be what happens after, you know, the initial coverage holds up that that will really determine this game, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great point. And I will say, I think that Kansas City is a lot better equipped this year than they have been in the past to be able to hold up when it comes to pass protection. Sayer, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed this crossover episode. And you can find them all over at Locked On Broncos. Him and Cody do a great job. Uh, looking forward to this game. I I personally hope the streak continues, but uh, I could definitely understand why you would want it to change. <laughs> definitely it's been six long years chris come on no no we'll see what happens but it should be a fun game at least the broncos get a prime time game a real one not thursday night football they get a real prime right. time game now so yeah, I, i'm excited for it and that's going to be it for us today thank you all for listening we really do appreciate it and we will be back tomorrow to give you a preview of this game on sunday night football